All right, so turn to Revelation 2. Uh, we'll be in verse 19, and we're going to hear from Jesus because it's all red letters. But who wrote the book of Revelation? John did, right? And it was given by Jesus, right? But he penned it. And how old was John when he wrote this? He was in his 90s. Now, some people may think, what can you learn from a person who's in the 90s? Especially not, in, not relevant in today, right? But here's the thing is, what can we learn from a man in his 90s who is filled by the Holy Spirit? A lot, right? Is anybody here over 50? I'm over 50. Anybody raise your hand? Here's the thing is, God can use any of us at any age. Amen? And He wants to. Matter of fact, we have so many people in this church that are retired that are serving. We're so grateful for all of you that are retired or using your gifts, serving in this church. We have a men's prayer team, and a lot of them are over 50. They're retired, and they do a lot of prayers. We have a women's prayer team. Matter of fact, they meet on Saturdays, the first and the third of every Saturday. Two of them right here right now that lead it. A lot of retired ladies, and they just pray, and they seek God, and God is using them. Matter of fact, I have often gone to these ladies, and they're sitting right over here. Have I gone to you often and asked for prayers, right? And so, listen, God wants to use you no matter the age, okay? And just like God is using John. All right, we ready? All right, so I'm using this map. We got it from Dave Barnes last week, and it kind of shows the churches that we're kind of going through in the seven churches in Revelation. So here's a map on the screen that Pastor Dave used last week. And so it shows it's really colorful, and it got Ephesus, the loveless church, uh, Smyrna, the persecuted church, Pergamum, the compromising church. And then tonight, we're going to go through the next three, Thyatira, which was the corrupt church. Then we're going to go into Sardis, which was considered the dead church, and then Philadelphia, the faithful church. Next week, Laodicea, and then also going into Revelation 4. These were actually penned by John, but it came from Jesus because they're in the red letter. So this is Jesus speaking to the churches. I titled this Three Churches, Three Different Ways. Now, what would Jesus be saying to us at Calvary Chapel here in Melbourne? If he were to write a letter, what would he be saying about us? Now, we know when we've been reading this, there's some things that churches do kind of a little well. There's some things that they didn't do well, and then Jesus says, repent. Matter of fact, the last church is going to be like the faithful church, okay? But what would God say to us if he were to pin this letter to us? And the question is, for us to really think about is, what would it say to me specifically, Jesus pinning the letter to me? This church in Thyatira that we're going to get into is called the corrupt church. During that time, they had a lot of guilds in that area, and the guilds were kind of just well-known as kind of being like, kind of like the mafia, okay? They were like organized, almost like crime in a way, and there was a great number of them. And Thyatira, it was in the ancient city of, uh, of uh, Asia Minor, and matter of fact, the ruins are still there, and they have found like guilds of, of, of dyers, and these guilds were around back then, and matter of fact, who do you know in the Bible was from Thyatira? Lydia, right? In Acts 16, it talks about Lydia. She was the first convert in Europe, in Philippi, right? When Paul and Silas, and they went there, and, and she accepted Jesus Christ. And so she was a seller of fine purple cloth from Tyra, 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 and what it was famous for. And she was 
uh, part of that city and most likely part of those guilds. She probably doesn't say this in the Bible. She probably is like, I'm tired of this because I'm getting out of here. I'm going somewhere else. So let's just start into uh, verse 18. And this letter is the longest letter that Jesus has written to any of these churches. So he writes and he says, to the angel of the church in Thyatira write. We know angel means messenger. These are the words of the Son of God, whose eyes are like blazing fire and whose feet are like burnished bronze. So Jesus mentions here that these are the words of the Son of God. Matter of fact, in Revelation, this is the only time that Jesus says himself being the Son of God. There's nowhere else in Revelation. So he says it for a reason to this particular church. See, the people of Thyatira back then, they, the people, would worship the God of Apollo. The God of Apollo was the S-U-N God, the sun God. And he, it is claimed that he was the son of a God, okay, which was not a real God, obviously, which was Zeus. So Jesus is writing here, and he says, hey, listen, Thyatira, I know you in the, in the church, but a lot of people out there are serving what they, the sun God, who they think he is the son of God being Zeus. But no, I am the son of God, and I am God. So it's a reminder to them and saying, hey, listen, I am the son of God. And nowhere else does he write that. But here is so important for us to know is that, is there a lot of confusion today about Jesus out there? Like if you go talk about Jesus and you were to mention, say, who was Jesus? Ah, oh, he was just this man. He was back then. Some people say there was no Jesus, okay? So it's important for us for our first point is this, is to block out all the confusion and keep focus on Jesus. Just keep focused on Jesus because there's a lot of confusion out there. And as we go through life, especially as we're walking around and doing our life, so much confusion out there. And when we speak about Jesus, people are just not for Jesus, not for Christianity. So we have to make sure that we are steadfast focused on Jesus, especially all the things in this life that are happening. Has it been difficult lately, the last couple of years for us? It's been hard, hasn't it? A lot of things are happening. People are confused, like what's going on? Pandemics, not pandemics. Is it, is it up? Is it down? What's happening? I mean, we know that Jesus said in the last days, there's going to be pestilence, right? Are we living in the last days? Okay, so we can't be confused. We have to be focused on Jesus. It's an important part for us to do that, okay? So let's go to the first, next verse, 19. He then goes and says, I know your deeds, your love, your faith, your service, your perseverance, and that you are now doing more than you did at first. Nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet by her teaching. She misleads my servants into sexual immorality and the eating of food sacrificed to idols. I have given her time to repent of her immorality, but she is unwilling. So I'll cast her on a bed of suffering, and I'll make those who commit adultery with her suffer intensely unless they repent of her ways. I will strike her children, which are followers, dead. Then all the churches will know that I am he who searches the hearts and minds, and I'll repay each of you according to your deeds. Pretty deep, isn't it? You know, imagine if you're part of that church and you're getting, this is getting read to you, right? But he says there in verse 20, he says, nevertheless, I have this against you. You tolerate that woman Jezebel who calls herself a prophet. This Jezebel most likely comes from the Jezebel in the Old Testament. You can read about her. 
Probably wasn't her name, but you can read about her in the Old Testament. Jezebel is a name synonymous with evil. She is uh, the uh, epitome of the wicked woman. Uh, anybody remember the song in 1975, Evil Woman? Anybody remember that? You guys are a bunch of heathens. No, just joking. Okay. <laughs> evil Woman. No. Um, I think it was like ELO or something, wasn't it? I don't know. But anyway, this Jezebel was, was an evil woman, okay? And Jesus goes on and says, who calls her a prophet, okay? This is what people call her. But by her teaching, she misleads my servants. So these were followers of Jesus getting misled. These are people that are in the church being misled by these teachings. Jesus said, watch out for false prophets. They come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they are ferocious wolves. That's Matthew seven fifteen. Do we see that today? False teachings. People being misled by these teachings. Matter of fact, Paul wrote this to Timothy, and it's in 2 Timothy 4, 3. It says, Therefore, the time will come when they will not tolerate sound doctrine, but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. See, when we know biblical doctrine, we're less likely to fall into unbiblical deception. And what happens when we fall into uh, things that are mislead us and take us away from God, all right? And anybody know what, uh, if you eat some food that has a lot of nutrition to it, how do you feel? Do you feel good? Like, if you're eating fast food, how do you feel? You feel pretty bad, right? I've been on this kick of, like, eating really healthy and then I go to a fast food place and I eat it and I feel like, man, I feel like it hits my stomach. I don't know, maybe because I'm over 50 now, I don't know. But it's like it just hits you and it's like, oh, it's terrible. It's just, oh, why do I even do it? But these false teachings are like this. They're, matter of fact, it's like malnutrition. It doesn't feed us at all. And there's so much of it out there right now. And here's the biggest example of false teachings today I think is so rampant in the Christian world. It's called the gospel of me. The gospel of me. And what it means is that there are places out there that are tickling the ears of people because people want to hear about me. It's all about me. And it's like psychology. And it's this type of teaching. And it's going, matter of fact, it is huge right now across the world. God bless you. I mean, I know of, of places I've been on mission trips and, and there's like this this false teachings and, and people I share with people, they talk about these teachings that they're listening to. And, and today, we can hear, how much teaching can we hear on here? A lot. And it's nice to hear messages that tickle our ears. I mean, i just be honest with you. You're going to talk about me. Because it's me, myself, and I. Now, I'm all about being encouraged. But my encouragement comes from the Word of God and from God. Okay, it's not, it's not uh, this, 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 this man feeding us false things, okay, or a person, whoever's teaching, all right, but it's the Word of God that's teaching, and it's filling us up, giving us nutrition so we can get the power and the strength to do the things that we need to do. I don't know about you, but isn't it great that when you're going through something that you can open up this and you start to read it, and it really, this is what encourages you. 
okay? And it's God who's encouraging you, not some person speaking about what they think to kind of fill you up with psychology. There is power in this Word. Amen, right? Okay, so it's called the gospel of me. Be careful of it. Be mighty careful of it. And, and we know, and also as we, as, we, as we know in church, she talks about, they talk about sexual morality here. We know in church that statistics say that 50% of men are viewing pornography. And maybe it's like taking the church right here, if it's a bunch of men, and splitting up that 50%. Matter of fact, it says even pastors, statistics that I've read, even pastors in churches that are teaching the Word are in pornography. And then they're up sharing the Word of God. If that's not scary, that is scary. I would not want to be the man up here having to face God one day doing that and then also now teaching about what God says. But it's a, it's a thing that's rampant in the church, 50% of men. Women, I have something for you. There's women in, and also in it too. Any women here ever hear about romance novels? Oh, but what, Pastor Mike, what's wrong with a romance novel? Let me tell you something. Guys are like visual, okay? But those romance novels are not good. It's a billion-dollar industry, by the way. It's painting false pictures. Give an example. You are a lady, and you're reading those romance novels. And in the novel, it says that the man's riding a horse. He's got long hair, and it's flowing, right? It's not me, obviously, okay? Picks her up and throws her on the back of the horse, and they ride off. And listen, that's not real, okay? And when you read that, and it's funny, but if you read that, it gives a false impression of what your husband or what a man's supposed to be like, okay? It's it's funny, but it's true. So we have to be careful about falling into those traps, pornography, sexual sin, romance novels. And we are so blessed at this church that we have ministries that help men and women. One of them, guys, is called Conqueror. And if you're going through where you're having, you're having issues in that area, listen, don't, don't feel like, oh, shame. I don't want, you know, the enemy does not want you to get help. The enemy does not want you to get freedom. We want you to get freedom. Connect to those groups. Matter of fact, we have a group of men right now going through this new series that we have going on. It's called Freedom Fight, and there's almost like 30 guys in that group right now. These are men that have stepped forward and said, I'm done with this. And many men are getting free through that ministry. I could probably look in here because I oversee the men's ministry. Yeah, praise God. And there's many men here that I probably know that have seen that have suffered from that, okay? The lies of the enemy, but have freedom through it now. And guys, listen, if you are, please, I beg you, get connected. We also have Celebrate Recovery, phenomenal, phenomenal group. Bob Scott went through our school of ministry. He oversees that, and it's a phenomenal ministry. And whatever you're going through, any hurt, habit, or hang-up that you're going through, okay? And they meet on Thursday nights. So if you're a wife, maybe you have a husband going through that, that's a great place to go. Even if you're a man and, and you're going through this, it's also a great place to go. It covers everything. But get connected. Get connected, okay? Now, 
I'm going to have a few things on the screen. It's how do you alleviate falling to the power of temptation and having the power to persevere? How to alleviate that? Number one, we need to walk in fear, reverence, respect, and awe of God. If you don't have the fear of God, then guess what? You have no wisdom. See, we need to have this reverence of who God is. God holds us by His mighty right hand. He holds this earth in His mighty right hand. He holds everything by His mighty right hand. He is the creator of everything. You have to have this awe and reverence of who God is. Second, walk in trembling with God. Fear and trembling, matter of fact, it says. Walk trembling in that weakness of God. When you don't walk in the weakness of God, what happens is you try to walk or I try to walk in my strength. How strong are we compared to God? Nothing. We need to be, come to God and walk in weakness. Okay, but then it goes forward. It says we walk in the power of God the Holy Spirit. So we're weakness of myself, but I'm empowered by God the Holy Spirit. And God the Holy Spirit is empowering you and I. It is impossible when we are filled by the Spirit of God. It is impossible. Church, are you you listening to me? Okay. It is impossible for us to sin. Now, we also have a human nature. It's going to happen. But it's impossible for me to be filled by the Spirit of God and to sin at the same time because you're filled by the Spirit of God. So should we be filled by the Spirit of God a lot? Right? So the question is today. How many of you, you don't need to raise your hands or not, how many of you actually ask God to fill you today? We tend to, okay, you don't have to raise, but we could tend to forget that. And probably many in here. Don't get drunk with wine. Leads to what? Debauchery. But be filled by the Holy Spirit. Church, we need to do this daily, hourly, constantly. It's a normal thing for us to do. Normal thing for us to do. Next, walk with others in accountability. So we have to walk in accountability with others, just like the groups I was saying. I am grateful that I have accountability brothers that I can turn to and share my heart, the things that are in my life, without, the, without any kind of persecution or judgment, but get connected and walk together in accountability with others, real followers of Jesus Christ. None of us have arrived, including myself. That's why we have to have these things. And here's the next thing is this. We need to, temptation hits, okay? So let's say I'm here and temptation is right here hitting me. I need to what? I need to flee. I need to run from it. Like as soon as it comes in, we got to run. We got to flee. We got to move away from it. And when is the most time that temptation hits us, especially as guys, is in the early morning and late at night. Ladies as well. So here's something I want to just kind of share with you that, that works. When you wake up in the morning, right when you wake up, it's early in the morning, do not go near your phone because, by the way, the phone is the number one uh, access to pornography, by the way, okay? Do not, access, do not even touch your phone until you walk out of the house. Does that make sense? No? Does that make sense? So don't even touch your phone. Matter of fact, put it away. Don't even get to open the Word of God and start reading it. Eat your lunch, breakfast, and, eat, and, and read the Word of God. Spend your time reading the Word. And then when you leave, grab your phone and go. 
Now, during your day, you're working, you're doing this stuff, and you come home, you have dinner, and then all of a sudden you're doing your things, you're getting ready to go to bed or whatever the situation is, go put your phone away. Don't even have it near you. And dwell in the Lord. Guys, I'm telling you, if you do this, it becomes part of your life. Do it often. Do it daily. And watch what God does. God will change you and when you're filled by the Spirit. Amen? Okay, good. All right, let's go to verse 24. Now I say to the rest of you in Thyatira, to you who do not hold to her teaching and have not uh, learned uh, Satan's so-called deep secrets, I will not impose any uh, other burden on you except to hold on to what uh, until what have I, until I come. To the one who is victorious and does my will to the end, I will give authority over the nations. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? The one will rule over them with an iron scepter and will dash them to pieces like pottery, just as I received authority from my father. And says, I will go, I will also give the one, the morning star, which is Jesus. Okay, you get Jesus. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. See, he says to hold on to what, hold on to what you have until I come, is what he says. So what are we holding on to? Three things that we're holding on to. Number one, because it talks about the morning star, we're holding on to our relationship with Jesus. Having that relationship with Jesus. Holding on to it. Let nothing forsake that. Continually having that relationship with him. As much as you talk to your husband, your wife, your kids, relationship you have with people at wherever you're at, your relationship with Jesus is number one by far. I mean, you, you have to hold on to that. He say you got to hold on to that. Number two, hold on to the truths of God's word. This book right here is 100% truth. Hold on to the truths of God's word. And next, hold on knowing your destination, knowing where you're going one day. Because lately, has it been kind of like difficult? Anybody ready for like no pain, no suffering, everything perfect? Anybody ready for like no pandemic, right? You know what I'm saying? So when you have difficulties in your life, hold on to knowing your destination. All right, let's flip over to Revelation 3, and we're going to get into this church of Sardis. This is called the Dead Church. Sardis was a wealthy, was, was a wealthy known for its commerce trading, was the first city where gold and silver coins were ever minted. Also home to the uh, Temple Artemis, it's still there. The city was full of paganism, idolatry, but failed to stand out amidst the, dark, amidst the darkness. And Sardis was known for, this church was known for not sharing the gospel. This is what this church was known. So Jesus writes, he says, to the angel of the church, church in Sardis write, these are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars. I know your deeds you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. Like, you look alive. Like, you're like a dead man, like, walking or something. And has this appearance. I took a picture of something that we have in the church. Look at this picture I have on the church here. Anybody seen this? Anybody know what that is? Anybody here in the medical arena. AED. AED, there you go, Dave Barnes. What does it stand for, though? 
He's got it right. Give me a hand. There you go. So, so I just thought, I, I just, I used to be a firefighter at EMT. Okay, and we, matter of fact, um, I was with the city of Cocoa Beach years ago. We were the first EMTs to or allowed to even use these things, okay? And I remember going on a call, and we get there on this call. We were the first ones to get there. We get there, and this guy is dead, like he is dead. So we're like, well, it's the first time for us using this. I hope it works. It's like the first time I ever used it. So we put it on him, and it revs up, okay, and it says, shock. We push it. The first try, the guy goes like this, man, that hurts. I was like, man, that stuff works. <laughs> he was like dead, and now he's alive, okay? But Jesus writes this. He's saying that you, you it's like you think you're alive, but actually, church, you're dead. You're not sharing the gospel. Anybody know what gospel stands for? Stands for good news. Why would they not share good news? So much the bad news around it, but they were not sharing the good news. And many churches today do not share the gospel. Got a point for us up there. Dead churches don't teach the gospel, and dead churches don't share the gospel. See, these are churches like this church that maybe come together. It's good for us to come together, absolutely. It's good for us to be together, absolutely. We, we want to do that, to encourage one another. But there's another part of our walk that we're supposed to do. We heard this, re- this, this, this past week, and Pastor Brian talked about six ways of sharing Jesus, right? And I was like, man, you go because it fits right into what we're teaching tonight. But this church was dead. It was not alive. And a live church shares Jesus Christ. Think about it. God gave us life. We're born again. We have spiritual life. God the Holy Spirit comes, lives inside of us. And I am so grateful that we have an amazing outreach department here that loves to go and reach people for Jesus Christ. And I encourage you, if you're not serving, go find out about outreach. I think I saw Pastor, there he is right there. Do we need people to share the gospel? Absolutely. Absolutely. Go see Pastor Norm, okay? But we want to be considered a church that live, and we do share the gospel. But I have to ask a question is this. Think about this for yourself. The last 30 days, how many times have you shared the gospel? Now, I may be up here teaching, sharing the gospel and things, but how many times have I been out in the community sharing the gospel? How many times have you been out the last 30 days? Think about this. How many times have you shared the gospel? Some of you that, please, don't shoot the messenger, okay? But you see, dead churches don't share the gospel. Alive churches share the gospel. Think about what Jesus did for you, and I have to think about what Jesus did for me. Anybody save Jesus? Jesus save your life. Anybody in here? Are you grateful for what Jesus did? Was it good news for you? It was great news for us, right? 
You know how many people outside of these walls don't know Jesus Christ? And so we need to be out there sharing the gospel. Sharing the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. See, God has a perfect plan. Jesus walked here physically, fully God, fully man. How much could Jesus share the gospel being fully man as well? How far could he go to do that? Just the area that he was in. But you see, there was a great plan that God had. See, he had to go to the cross, die for the sins of mankind, raise up again, right? And then what did he do? He breathed on them the Spirit of God. And so what did he do? When you become saved, you have the Holy Spirit living inside of you. Your body now becomes the temple of God. You are the temple of God, by the way, if you've accepted Jesus Christ. Because the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. Do you believe that? Okay. It's Scripture, so the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. But God is so smart, He knows exactly what to do. Instead of God being by Jesus being here, what did He do? Now He sends an army of Jesus is out there. Little Jesus is go out and share the gospel. Way more effective. See, it's God's plan for you and I to be out there to do that. And that's what he wants us to do, go and share the gospel. And the Holy Spirit helps us to do it. The Holy Spirit helps us to follow Jesus, to be like Jesus, and to share about Jesus. Look on the screen at John 15, 26. It says that when the helper comes, Jesus speaking, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of truth, who comes from the help from the Father, he will testify about me. See, the Holy Spirit will always nudge us to share about Jesus. When you're filled by the Spirit of God and you're out doing things, shopping center, wherever you're going, and you're asking God to fill you, fill me with the Holy Spirit. No matter what, God, I'm going to be available. I'm going to be a vessel for you. Your Spirit lives inside of me. I'm the temple. I'm a walking temple. So fill me. Use me today, God. You think God will use you? If you, if you ask to be filled and you pray, God, use me, I guarantee you God's going to use you. But then you have to be open to be used and really be intentional about it. And the Holy Spirit will nudge you to speak to somebody about Jesus. And I, I get, I'm like, me, to me, I get like goosebumps. Like I love, I mean, it's like I'm, God used me today, okay? I just want to be used. And so when we do that, that's what God does. But why won't we do it? Because we're led by fear, not by the Holy Spirit. Fear is, I don't know what to say. Fear is, what will people think of me? Fear of persecution. There are two guarantees, two guarantees. Don't share the gospel. You're guaranteed not to have persecution. If you never share the gospel, you'll never get persecuted. That's a guarantee. Here's another guarantee. Share the gospel, and I guarantee you at some point you're going to get persecuted. It's going to happen. I've been persecuted. Now, I'm hoping that they're not persecuting me because of me, of how, who I am. Okay, I don't want to be filled with the Spirit, but they're just not going to listen. One thing I often say to people, if they're kind of like, uh, like over here, I just kind of say, I know Christianity is true, okay? But I ask them, if Christianity was true, would you become a believer? Would you become a follower? If they say no, I'm like, okay, I'm dusting my, my socks off. I'm, I'm with my sandals off. I'm going. Because there's nothing I can do. It's nothing I can do anyway. 
But there are three blessings for you and I when we share the gospel. Three blessings, and are on the screen. Blessed when you're persecuted. What? How can you say you're blessed when you're persecuted? Jesus said in Matthew 5, blessed when you're persecuted because of my sake. You're blessed because you're, being, you're growing to be more like Christ. Anybody want to be more like Christ? Go share the gospel and get persecuted, okay? It's a blessing. Now you're really growing. You're being just more, you're being like Jesus. Blessed when one listens and accepts. Man, we were on a mission trip down to Mazlan, Mexico one year, and um, this, this one person that went with us, he was kind of younger, and he was out there sharing the gospel. We had a translator, and these teenage girls, when he got done, they said, yes. <laughs> and he was like, what do I say now? <laughs> he was like, what do I do now? Hey, lead them in, in the prayer, okay? And he was like so pumped. And it, it is exciting when somebody accepts Jesus. But here's the thing is, that happens all the, doesn't happen all the time. But it plants seeds. But when it does happen, it's such, it is such a blessing. And third, it's such a blessing to know that you were used by God. It is such a blessing. If you're not experiencing God in any way, and maybe you're just in a dry spell or something that's going on, take moments to pray, leave the house, and say, God, use me, fill your spirit, and use me to speak about you and share about you. And watch what God does. You'll be done and be blessed that you got to be used by the creator of everything. Guys, it's exciting serving Jesus Christ, isn't it? All right, awesome. So let's move on. Verse 4, it says, Yet you have a few, few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. They will walk with me, dressed in white, for they are worthy. The one who is victorious will, like them, be dressed in white. I will not blot out the name of that person from the book of life. will acknowledge that name before my Father and his angels. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear that the Spirit says to the churches. Isn't it good to know, now this is not, this is the Bible, which has life, right? Isn't it good to know that when you accept Jesus Christ, truly accept Him, and you face Everybody, we're going to have a last day here, right? Absent from the body, what? Present with the Lord. Isn't it going to be nice to know that your name was not blotted out? It's like this. You, I faced Christ, and however it is, the book of life is open, and it says Michael. See, it's, my name is actually Michael, okay, but I use Mike, all right? But in the book of life, it's going to say Michael. It says Michael Braun. Let me look him up. Hey, your name's in here. Come on in, right? Yeah, hallelujah, right? Is that a great feeling or what? Knowing that. That excites me. And people are like, well, how can you be? But it's exciting to know that. But on the other hand, what if you're the one who maybe thinks that you're a Christian? Like you're, you're the dead church, like you're not really sharing, like you're not really, I mean, God knows the heart. I don't know the heart. And the person that doesn't, who thinks, and they face Christ, and then the book of life is opened. Sorry, your name's not in here. 
But wait a minute. I, I, I did this in the name of Jesus. Oh, I did that in the name of Jesus. I, I you know, depart from me because I never knew you. No relationship. Didn't really hear. Didn't really know. Didn't really follow. May have thought they did because of doing religious activities. See, people are going to face that. That's why it's important for us to share the gospel of Jesus Christ to people. All right. Let's move to down to verse 7, and this is the church in Philadelphia. This is called the Faithful Church. This is the Faithful Church. And I have a, a point for us to know is that, it, and here's the thing, we're, teach, we're singing a song tonight, uh, Yes and Amen. I had no idea that song was to be tonight. And it's taught, we sang, we're worshiping God about His faithfulness, right? Well, here it is. God will always go before our faithfulness, Right? Our faithfulness. God is always faithful to go before our faithfulness. Bridget and I were talking about this just the other day. And we were talking about how over the years of us following the Lord, not perfectly, but following the Lord, how faithful God has been. I've shared this before in, in my career that I had. Uh, and, and, I, and I felt God was calling me out of the career and I left it making X amount of dollars, you know, good money. And I left it to go to making a lot less money to serve as a pastor at a church. I felt God was calling me to do that. And because of that and our following Christ, we've been way more blessed than making all the money we used to make as we are today. We're way more blessed. And through that, God has been faithful for everything. See, as we're following Christ, God will go before us. Do you believe that? He will. And we've just been so blessed by His faithfulness. So this church, this church here is considered to be faithful. Listen to Lamentations 3, 22-23. Because of the Lord's great love we have, we are not consumed, for His compassion will never fail. They are new every morning, great is your faithfulness. So let's look at verse 7. It says, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, These are the words of him who is holy and true, who holds the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. I know your deeds. See, I have placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength, yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So he says these open doors and these shut doors. This church is recognized for sharing the gospel. God was opening the door for them, and they were sharing the gospel. And I have it on the screen here. This is Jesus holds the key to eternal life, right? So it says right here that believers, followers like us, the door of salvation is unlocked and open. Non-believers, the door of salvation is locked and will remain open close. Aren't you grateful that the door of salvation, that key that Jesus opened up is open for you? It's phenomenal. But as we've been saying, as people are non-believers, that door of salvation is locked and will remain closed. When they face Jesus on that final day, that door does not open. It stays locked. And so the next key for us is that following Jesus requires being faithful and sharing the gospel. Following Jesus requires faithful and sharing the gospel. And there's many 
many ways to share the gospel. John Frazino was up here, I think it was last year, sharing like the three circles. I remember that. Really awesome way to share the gospel. And there's also many ways to do it. I've been trying out kind of a new way about sharing the gospel. Now, it's, it's, it's biblical, okay? When I meet somebody and I talk to them and I meet who they are, I just, you know, if they're wearing a shirt or something, let's say it's a dolphin shirt. Go Dolphins, right? No. I say, hey, you're a dolphin fan. So am I. That's great. That's awesome. And they go, that's, that's really good. So we start a conversation. We start talking. And I'm starting to ask this question. When you hear the name Jesus, what do you think? Now, not, I tell them, not like Christians, not, you know, wherever the church. When you hear the name Jesus, what do you think? And this is what I'm getting now that I'm trying this out. Well, yeah, he's a good guy. Number one thing I'm hearing is that he, he like, he loves, because this is what people hear. And what's happening is, as I'm talking to them, I'll say, do you want to, you're saying these things that are positive about him, do you want to learn more about him? Learn the things of Jesus. And it's opening doors to actually share about it, and I get to talk about my testimony about what Jesus did in my life. I mean, I get to share that one day I was in church years ago. Matter of fact, it'll be, uh, let me count here, let me get my calculator out. 15 years tomorrow that I got saved, okay? Tomorrow, actually. Yeah, praise God. And I'll share with them that I was sitting in church one day, and, and the, there's no pastors there, and there was a lay leader teaching, and then he's, this person's teaching, and all of a sudden, he's talking about things, and it's, it's like he's speaking to me, and God was speaking to me, and I accepted Christ that day. It changed my life. Amazing what God's done in over, over the last 15 years. It's been amazing what God's done. And so I get an opportunity to share so simply asking a question like, when you think of Jesus, what do you think about? And it opens the door for us to share about him. It's just one way. So first line, it says, I will make those who are the, excuse me, of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, although they are not but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Since you've kept my commands to endure patiently, I'll also keep you from the hour of trial, which is our trial, which is, is, is tribulation, that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. That inhabitants of the earth is, is the, it's uh, other verses, uh, translation say dwell. Those are unbelievers. I'm coming soon, which is actually quickly, okay, quickly. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. I will write on them the name of my God and the name of the holy of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which is coming down out of the heaven, out of heaven from my God, and I will also write on them my new name. Anybody know where in the book of Revelation it talks about the new heaven and new earth? Revelation 21. Get a chance. We'll get through it to it at one point, but read it, because this is going to be our future one day. New heaven and new earth. No pain, no suffering, no crying. Verse 13, whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. So in verse 9, he says, I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. See, in this area, these Jews who weren't really like Jews, they were persecuting the church. They were coming against the church, making it difficult to be a Christ follower. And Jesus has this written to them 
this, this synagogue of Satan, he calls it, okay, these Jews who claim to be Jews, but they're not. But he says, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Next point for us on the screen is the last one. It says, God will always vindicate those who follow him. God will always vindicate those who follow him. Follow him. Psalm 135, 14 says, For the Lord will vindicate his people and have compassion on his servants. Last night at our, uh, um, our men's group meets on Tuesday night, I was talking to this gentleman and he was sharing with me about the business that he had. And in his business, he was a partner with somebody. And this partner kind of came against him on some things and ended up not having the business. Starting, now it all got pushed aside. He prayed, started a new business, and he said, Pastor Mike, my business is better and stronger than ever before. I mean, it's like, it's amazing. I devoted it to God. I gave it to him. And here's the thing is that he was so excited about it. He says, listen, I just give it to God and God will take care of it. See, he's doing way better than he was before. See, God goes before his people, and God will always go before us. I like what Paul says. If God is for us, what? Who? That means nobody, right? No one. No one could be against us. No one. And God will vindicate us. And we've seen so many times, I've seen so many times that people have come against me even, and God has gone before me every single time. And God will go before His people that are following Him. We're not always perfect, but He'll go before His people. I love Psalm 91. And while I've been in my quiet time, other parts of the Bible and reading things, I also go to Psalm 91 and read it. And this is, this is a promise for us. Listen to what it says. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare. Is that beautiful or what? I mean, read Psalm 91 and meditate on that. See, God will go before His people. He is my refuge. Is He your refuge? Okay, and you read that. And when you read those things, and you, I read it, and I say out loud, He is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my God in whom I trust. See, I speak it. I speak it out. And it's a truth. This is the truth of God's Word right here. So we need to speak that out. And God will go before us. And here's the thing is that there's probably... There was another slide that I was going to have, and I asked production not to put it up. I asked them just not to put it up. Because I felt like there's felt like there's some of you that may be in here tonight. That something or somebody, maybe it's at work or a person, has been coming against you. And you're having a difficult time with something. And you're asking God what's going on. And I feel like the Lord wanted us to pray over that. Can we just bow our heads for a moment? If you're going through something right now and 
Something's coming against you. Maybe it's at work. Could be a person. Could be a relative. Can you just raise your hand? Yes, 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 yes. Keep them up. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, yes, I see it. Yes, hands all over. Okay, let's pray. God, I knew that was from you, Lord. As people have raised their hands, things that are coming against them, Lord, these are your children, God. God, I just pray, go before them, Lord. Your word says that since you're for us, that nothing could be against us. So God, we just pray over every single one of them, Lord. I pray over myself, the situation that's going on with me. Go before it, God. We know vengeance is the Lord. It's all yours, God. Vindicate. It's all yours, God. But I pray over every single one of them. May this be a day of spiritual market that they see you work and see you move and see that what you do, God, because we're your children, Lord, and you love us so much that you'll go before us. We trust you, Lord. You are our refuge, God. God, I just pray also, if there's anybody here tonight or anybody online that's listening, that God, maybe they have not accepted you. May this be the time that they accept you, God, to know that they could be in your kingdom, God, to know when they they face you and that book of life is open, that their name will be in the book of life. God, you want everybody. God, you died for the whole world. If you haven't accepted Jesus Christ, I urge you to accept Jesus Christ. Eternity is forever. If you haven't done this, just pray this prayer. Lord Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I've sinned against you. I repent of my sin. I turn my life over to you. Forgive me, Lord. I believe in your death, your burial, and your resurrection. Lord, fill me with your spirit to help me walk this life out following you. And God, I will love you for the rest of the days of my life until I face you face and face. We ask this in Jesus' name. We all said, amen, amen.